This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. And welcome to the Raptors Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Samson Folk, and today a very special guest, somebody who has the inside track, not one that she might invite us into, but one that we might be able to glean some things from. Savannah Hamilton, host, producer, MLSE, Raptors, Raptors 905. A lot of important stuff, a lot of good work. Savannah, how are you doing today? I'm good. That's quite the introduction. Thanks for having me. I, I pride myself on my ability to introduce things. Now, the rest of it, I'm not sure how good it'll be, and, and we'll do our best, but typically, I think the high water mark is within the first, like, 25, 30 seconds, but we'll get into it. So, watching your auntie play when you're young, having that little tykes hoop, all that stuff that brought you into basketball, Division One opportunities, eventually going with Ryerson in the sports media program, and now, host... Raptors, Raptors 905. How big has basketball been in your life? Man, you did your research. I like this. Good start so far. Um, Yeah, basketball has been a huge factor in my life. It's probably been the most defining factor. Um, And I say that not even just for being a player myself and like, you know, playing the game, but like the community built around it. Um, You know, basketball is like, it's a family tradition in my house. You know, last night, even after the final four, we're watching the Sacramento game. So it's, it's been um, a very prominent aspect of who I am, to be honest. Um, and it's interesting to separate, you know, me as an individual from the sport itself, but also be so close and attached to it that I get to cover it on a daily basis as well. So um, I'm very fortunate to have basketball such a prominent part of my life. Is there anything you've learned from basketball? And I'm, I'm sure there is, because as you say, it's kind of intrinsically tied to you. But what do you think you've taken from the sport that you played at a high level and now you work in the industry on the other side of it? Um, if I was being completely honest, stubbornness. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite uh, things to do, at least in university, was just like box out, rebound. I was a bit more of a gritty player in university as compared to my high school style of play. Um, and I feel like that mentality, I kind of just brought into the industry. And, you know, I've talked about it before, but I am one of the few black women in this industry covering, um, you know, well, sports in general, not just basketball. But um and I think you have to have a certain mentality in order to stand your ground and to really, you know, let people know that you do belong here because it's not always, uh, you're, you'll be in uncomfortable situations. Uh, so if I was to take anything from basketball, it'd be like my stubbornness and maybe a bit resiliency. I don't know. That's, that's what comes to mind at first. Let's follow that thread then for a little bit, since I think it's an important conversation to have. So basketball, sport media in general, typically people look like me. I guess a little bit older at this point in time, but typically look like me. And there's economic reasons for that, the ability to 
stay at home with parents, the ability to be incubated while you go into an internship heavy um, industry sector, whatever it is. And there's like a boys club aspect to it and a white boys club aspect to it. What do you make of that and how you hope for that to change going forward? I feel like you said it pretty well right there. Um, and yeah, you're right. People typically look like you, maybe without the mustache though. I will say that. I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I definitely got the impression when I was entering this industry, heck, when I was entering my program, um, that it was more of a boys club. And it did feel like at times, um, you know, they would set us up in a competition-like style. And, I, and I've talked to other uh, female classmates that I went to school with, and they also said that, you know, it really felt like the women had to compete against each other for airtime. Um, and, you know, so I was like, yeah, I totally relate to that. And because I know personally throughout the program, I felt like I didn't get as many opportunities on air. And, and, and I've, you know, I've said it in, before in an article that, um, you know, I don't necessarily put that on my classmates for, you know, like not in group situations or group projects for not like picking me to be a sideline reporter or nothing. Cause to be honest, I don't look like a sideline reporter, at least in Canada at the time. Um, this is before Kayla Gray stepped up and, and did her thing with the Raptors as well. And so, you know, I, my inspiration always came from the States. I looked down self to be like, Oh, I didn't even know I could do this. Um, and just like seeing the influence that like black women and and black people had in basketball like off the court uh, down there was the first thing that struck struck a chord with me Sage Steele in particular um, and it's interesting as well because you know, like when when oftentimes when we do see black women on camera they often wear their hair straight and you don't necessarily see it curly and that's just one more aspect to being a bit more white passing to be more palatable for audiences um and so that's another reason actually why nine times out of ten you'll probably see my hair curly on air um and you just don't see it that much and i love kia nurse the fact that she's doing that too uh i don't know if that's intentional or not but it's just one more thing to make it you know, more acceptable for us to be whole and completely ourselves and have our say and seat at the table. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's hard to break barriers. My dad pointed it out actually the other day. He's like, you realize that, you know, being one of the very few black women um, in your industry, that's really hard to do. <laughs> and I, I didn't consciously take it in. I was always like, so focused on like, what's next, what's next, what's next. Even to this day, I'm so focused on what's next. I have coworkers to remind myself to like slow down, Sav, smell the roses, look behind you. Um, and and I'm, just, I'm just like, oh yeah, oh crap, yeah, wow. And you know, now I'm in a position where I'm getting messages more so from students and girls that look like myself or girls who are women of color. And they're, they're like asking me like, oh, how'd you do it? Or, you know, how'd you break that barrier? And so sometimes when I'm really hard on myself, if I feel like I have a bad show or a bad, you know, segment or did, did something wrong, sometimes I just have to remind myself that, listen, honestly, just me existing in this space right now is enough. Just the fact that I managed to climb myself to this table and just to, to get to where I am today, that is enough. Because like at least other women are, can, can see that a black woman in Canada exists and they have a say and they can contribute to the conversation and they can hang in with the boys. So yeah, I don't know, I, I, I'm happy. I'm, I, it took me a long time, but I'm proud of myself, uh, I would say now. I think the space is better for your presence as well. So you should be, you should be proud of yourself. And I think a lot of people are cheering on Thank your career you. as well. 
and the hair is fire. Just keep doing your thing with the hair. And, uh, Thank you. And I, I suppose the stubbornness probably helped on the climb up there, but stubbornness seems like a good way to go into this season with the Raptors. It's been trying. They've been re- relocated. They've had COVID restrictions. They've had COVID protocol. They've had players with COVID, important, big, max players, minimum, mid-level exception players. Just it's, it's been a whole situation. What have you made of the season so far? And if you were looking for silver linings for positives, where would you find them? Um, this season, in my opinion, has been just a mixed bag. Uh, I don't count this season personally. I don't know if I could actually say that, but I'm going to say it. I, it's just the team got relocated to Tampa. That already off the bat sets a totally different tone um, p- compared to like what they're used to. We have such a great fan presence at our games in Scotiabank Arena. Um, and I know that like fans haven't really been present at many games in the NBA this past season. Yeah, like some, some arenas have them, some don't. Um, and it's been on and off throughout the season. But it's just such a weird time right now that I, I don't hold their performance at all against them this year. Um, there's been so many factors and and people need to remember that relocating is more than just switching gyms. It's switching your family, switching your kids' schools, uh, you know, getting acclimated to what the local city is saying and understanding that this is not their fan base either. Like they're not getting the same support that they got in Toronto, that they're getting in Tampa per se, um, you know, just living in the same, you know, city. But um, aside from that, you know, I'm impressed. There's there's definitely been uh, highlighted moments like, you know, this team won against the Milwaukee Bucks. This team beat the Jazz. This team also had a close game against the Minnesota Timberwolves. So it's been an up and down roller coaster. And I feel like we've had a lot to learn and we've been better for it, honestly, because, you know, it, it's easy to, to, to tell a team's character when they're winning or sorry, when they're losing, you know, you know, do they fold? How do they react? You know, it's easy to win. Everyone's happy when you win, but how do you react when you lose? And the fact that they do still have resiliency and the fact that they could win a game by 53 points. I know that Golden State missed Steph Curry and Draymond Green and all that, but the fact that they could still put on quite the performance um, regardless, because don't get me wrong, don't forget, how many times do we see great teams play down to their opponent's level? They didn't do that. And they had all the reason to coming off of what was on not the best stretch for them in March. So we see glimpses of, of, of great players coming out. And, you know, obviously we, we traded Norm, but man, he was having such a season with us. And I think it also speaks to just the opportunity and development throughout the Raptors um, franchise throughout the years, not just the season. Look in the long, the bigger picture as well. Yeah. When I think about the Raptors this year, there's a few things I'm focused on. One is, Fred Van Vliet's point guard play, his ability to create. He's still a guy who he doesn't create a bunch of baskets at the rim for his teammates, but he creates a lot of three-point looks. When I think about Norman Powell, obviously the ability to attack, change speeds in the lane, and his three-point shooting, particularly coming off of pin downs, pretty good. And Pascal, his playmaking out of the post, if you go into like sabermetrics and analytics, the quality of shots that he creates for teammates is really, really high. So I think that the seeds of a lot of development are coming this season, and I think Mm -hmm. they'll pay off next year. But the season, you know, if there were any time to punt to say, hey, we worked on some things, we developed some things, 
And now we're better for it, as you said, learning how to lose and to do it in a fashion where you can learn from it as well. It's, uh, it's an important year. Did you hear about the, I guess something happened in Tampa Bay. They had a huge like sewage thing happen. They declared a state of emergency. Did you hear about I feel, that? I think I heard about that, but I wasn't sure. I didn't get a chance to like dive all into that. How apropos. That is something else. Okay. Yeah, that would, <laughs> we'll move on. Yeah, that would not quite. Well, I mean, we've had our fair share of like sewage. Not, not a state of emergency. <laughs> okay. So I guess we talked about Norm a little bit, but let's talk about the other side. Norm obviously traded for Gary Trent Jr., Rodney Hood. Gary Trent Jr. considered a piece of the core going forward per Maasai, per, you know, the brass up top. Rodney Hood, a guy who has a non-guaranteed deal going into next year, looking to get that guaranteed. He provides more scoring punch than a lot of the guys on the bench, especially when it comes to on-ball craft. What have you thought about them so far? I mean, Gary Trent is six threes and well, I guess 12 threes in the past two games. It's been pretty good. Absolutely. Uh, I think Gary has surpassed a lot of expectations. Um, you know, he's averaging, I believe he came into the season, he's, he's averaging 16 points a game. I know it's been kind of like slow start and then he had 30. So maybe the small sample size isn't enough yet, but that's nothing to bat your eye at. And, and it also tells us that if he could drop 30 at this point, he, his ceiling is so high. In fact, I'm looking forward. People compared him when he, when he first came, when he, the trade first happened to a Norm-esque player, a younger player. Um, I was hesitant to believe that. I'm like, I believe it when I see it. But I mean, he's he's proven himself. He's doing well. He's um, you know, he's getting into the lane. He's he's driving. He's he has a shot too. Like he's not um he's 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 a great pickup. I think he's actually I would call him a bit of a sleeper pick. But um he's shooting like the ball at a great percentage. Of was he twelve for twenty or something like that in, in the last game. But um yeah, and 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 like, like I said, the best part about him is the fact that He's young. He's 22. Um, I would like to see more of a sample of him on defense. Um, I haven't been disappointed. I just, you know, haven't been also amazed. Uh, But that's also like, that's also chemistry. Defense is so much of team chemistry, like, you know, every man on a string and uh, when you rotate to the ball and everything. So very curious to see how he's going to grow and develop in our system, but definitely see him a part of the core. And, and so far I'm, I'm impressed. Definitely. It's interesting with the Raptors with they're usually drafting guys who are a little bit older, third, fourth year players, Malachi Flynn, Jalen Harris, both um, in their fourth year of college, obviously with Jalen transferring as well. But you look at that team and Gary Trent Jr., who is kind of established in the league, he had that big bubble performance and he kind of came up as like, this guy's a defender, this guy's a shooter. And then you look at the roster and he's actually the youngest guy on the team it's kind of crazy the way it shakes out. And as you were alluding to the shooting, not just over the past two games where he's 12 of 20, a heat pump, but he's at almost 650 attempts over his career. The conventional wisdom is that three point percent stabilizes around 750. He's at like 650 and 40%. He's a shooter. Not only yep. that, he, he like, he has an escape dribble. If a closeout is coming to get to a three point shot, he can put the ball on the floor, get downhill. He has a mid range. I like his speed. Yeah, he has a mid-range jumper he's kind of comfortable with. The floater, the percentages aren't good, but it's a work in progress. Again, just 22. What do you make of Rodney Hood, though? Because, you know, he's obviously dealing with an injury right now, but he had some impressive little bursts off the bench in the first couple of games. 
Yeah. Um, you know, once, sorry, real quick to add on to your Gary point is that, yeah, he has these tremendous bursts of speed that I really like when I see that. It's like, wow, he's going really fast and in control. So that's, that's another thing that stands out to me about Gary, but going on to Rodney Hood, you know, he, he can handle the ball himself. He's, he's a bigger, uh, you know, he's a small forward, right? Um, he could post up, he's shooting, uh, his career percentage is at 42%. And he hasn't, you know, once again, we also haven't had the biggest sample size of him himself. Uh, and he's had a game where, you know, he scored, you know, a few points here. There's another game where he didn't score. So, you know, once again, I, I kind of more attribute that to, you know, he's still getting used to the system. Um, he is giving us uh, a benefit off the bench. Absolutely. He's not, not only just, you know, his play style, but also the fact that he's a vet. He's been in the league for a while now. Uh, and that, that pays off in the locker room. You need a guy that can call out older, younger guys or um, even guys his own like, age or just a slightly younger, you know, bring that leadership aspect. And, and, and it's not just falling on guys like, you know, Fred or, or Kyle anymore. But um, so I'm thinking that he, that he, even though it, we don't know what the future holds for him in terms of the Raptors' longevity, but as of right now, as of here, I feel like the guys are going to respect his voice and his presence. Um, on the court, though, once again, like I just need to see a bigger sample size of him, but I am so far impressed with the fact that he has pretty decent handles and can post up and can shoot the ball, um, a pretty wide variety uh, type of player. I'm just, I, I thought of a question and I might as well ask it since we're here. In an interview, you were talking about how you need to go to the United States to play basketball, to be legitimized when you were considering that, when you were being recruited. And you also talked about how you decided to play in Canada, obviously, but you were talking about how you had to look to America for your role models in media and how to kind of push yourself further in that regard. What do you make of basketball in Canada? where it's going right now. Nick Nurse, obviously, the, the head coach of the national team, but Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Luke Gwen Stort, Chris Boucher, guys of that ilk coming up. Um, Nimhart in the game last night, he had that step back three against uh, UCLA. What do you make of Canada basketball where it is right now? Yeah, um, great question. And, I and Kia Nurse, I, I should say, by the way. Abso yeah, absolutely. Uh, I played against Kia Nurse many times, actually. Um, and when I did say that, it was more coming from the women's basketball perspective and the fact that a lot of times a lot of the best women's basketball players went down to the States at the time. Now I feel like Canada's doing a better job at retaining its talent up north. And I know that prep schools for women have opened up. Uh, they actually opened up ironically in like my first or second year of university. Um, and I, I know of one actually happening in Orangeville coming up as well. Um, and so, you know, from a women's basketball perspective, it has grown tremendously. Like we, once upon a time, there was a day where we never thought that like prep schools in Canada could exist for women. And now it is. Um, and, I, and, you know, players like Kia Nurse, players like Bridget Carlton, Bridget, players like, you know, Tamara Tatum and, 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 and Natalie Achanwa, like they've been paving the way to put Canada on the map for women. Um, on the men's side, ho, 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 ho. So much talent, man. It's just like a, it's a straight pipeline at this point. Um, you know, and, and Jamal Murray, he stayed in Canada. He developed here. Uh, and he's, you know, he's the highest paid Canadian athlete, period. Not NBA player, not just basketball player, athlete. Um, and so 
so you know he's he's proving this the the narrative wrong that you can't develop in Canada. No, you you can. We have coaches, we have resources, and we have some facilities. Um, I've seen NBA players come up here in their off season and train uh, as well. So like the men's basketball side has developed a lot, and you know we talk about we think about like the Carter effect out of that. Um, I'm very curious to see what's going to happen in the next, you know, probably five to 10 years when I want to see the Raptors championship effect. (laughs) I think there will be one for that as well. I can't imagine because where I grew up, I basically had the only, I grew up in a really small town. There was only 700 people and there were two, yeah, there were uh, two basketball hoops in uh, Saskatchewan and basically nothing was happening there. Nothing at all. And now, if I ever go back, there's tons of basketball hoops. And I don't know if that's Vince Carter. I don't know if that's the We the North era. I don't know if that's after the championship. But it comes in waves. Sports, you know, you look at the history of them in almost any country, whether it's hurling in Scotland or something like that, or basketball in Canada, there's ebbs and flows. And I think, I don't know if an ebb or a flow is the big one, whichever one it is, that's happening in Canada right now. And I think, yeah, Jamal and Shea in particular on the, on the men's side and Kia, as you said, and uh, on the women's side, there's, there's some really tough fight players as well. And I'm, I'm really excited to see how it happens. I'm glad you feel so optimistic about it as well. But if you don't, if you don't mind me asking, or just mentioning as well, like Aaliyah uh, Edwards, she's also down at UConn. She had a great March Madness tournament performance. Um, I know I wish you did get to see a little bit more of her, but so far her rookie season at UConn has been tremendous and she has so much room for, for growth as well that um, it, like, I'm just looking down at the future of, of Canada basketball and, and everything. And it's very bright that way as well. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Okay. So something that's more specific to you, when we're thinking about basketball and how it's played, the minutiae of it, I want to ask you a very specific question. And carving out or establishing post position is not something you just do. It's not given to you. Often announcers will allude to the battle that's going on in the post without talking about the technicalities. So what do you look to do when you're carving out or establishing post position? What are the tricks of the trade? Um. And sorry, just just for a little bit of clarity, you mean my, myself, my game, or do you your mean your game? Your game. My game. Oh man. Okay. Well, if you want me to get like all like the X's and O's of it, yeah. So there's a move that my dad actually taught me. He called it the American roll. I actually haven't heard another name for it, but essentially, it's where you split your defender in half by putting one of your feet right down the middle between their like between their feet, um, and you spin into them basically. So now you're open on whichever side you chose, because you could do this on both sides of them. You could do this either on the back side or in front of them as well. Um, so now you're kind of teeing them up. So they're uh, like, so, so now you're open on one side. And if they do try to overplay you, you could just, you literally can just roll back. It's called pull, like pull this chair under them from under them. If they're like leaning over top of you or playing too hard on you, just roll to the opposite side. And usually you're wide open. So that's, that is one of my favorite post moves that I used to go to to get open. Um, there's another post move that like my coach taught me. It's more of a um, think of like a lunge position. Um, and essentially uh, you can, you kind of just hop into it. It's more of like, uh, I'm trying to, trying to feel, figure out how to describe this. 
essentially yeah so essentially like you're still so you can do the american role but then when you try to go back you just go into almost to like a lunge position so you can actually just like once again pull the chair from under them and then like just switch your legs so it's actually a bit more stable instead of like a two-stop you're now like have like one foot in front one for the other especially if you're leaning towards the basket um x and then as for scoring in particular one of my favorite moves was always an up and under it gets them every time i swear um so that was that's my post that's my post moves but i'm actually i was more of a face-up player I, I wasn't i i hated personally i hated the hook shot maybe because i just never got really that good at it <laughs> um but yeah face up shot if i can shoot it over top of them if not just try to roll into them and get open on the other side. Normal pivot or reverse pivot? I think I like the reverse pivot. Yeah. That's a good question. I, <laughs> I love the reverse pivot. It's like poetry to me, kind of. It's like the battle is about to begin and it's like the slow meeting of the mind. It's like you turn and you face and it's always the, it precludes so much like uh, Jimmy Butler's like stutter rip that he uses so often and it's just, I love the the reverse pivot because it's like a, a moment of rest in basketball before yes. you know somebody's about to try and break something off and uh, face up. Do you have any face up moves for us? Then I, I'm very I'm very excited to learn. Yeah, um, I love hesitations. Like without even putting the ball on the ground, like you could just it's almost like a little like head and shoulder fake. And so like, just like a little subtle thing, you think like players think you're going one direction and you can eat, And like, that is enough to either just literally pull it back and shoot or just go the other way and cut them off down the lane. Um, I think my dad called, my dad named all my moves, he called that one like the bad fake fake because it's almost like you're faking them, but you're not really going. And then sometimes you could fake them one more time and then actually go because that really throws them off if they're a really good defender. But usually just like one fake gets them like a jab step, like a half jab step even. Um, and then, yeah, and then and just Facebook, go at him. <laughs> I like that your dad did that because you you should always name things after yourself or things you like because you never <laughs> know what's going to stick. Spain pick yeah, and right. roll in the NBA is called stack. The hammer play that the Raptors run, a guy named Ham was the guy who was running it initially. So, like, yeah. you never know what's going to stick and why something like a pin down, why a pin yeah. down or a flare. Like, right? who's to say? So there's so many moves in basketball that we just like, I don't know. I just made it up. It was that like, I, like, if you describe it to people, you can talk about it. But like, there's, if when, when someone asks like, what's the name of that? It's like, um, it's kind of like a half jab to like a, a swing official name to it. But yeah, has it hesitation? We'll call it the Savannah roll from now on. No longer the American <laughs> roll. It's uh fair, fair. Yeah. Just, just for you. Okay. And then we'll get into <laughs> one last thing. Your game, if there were a Toronto Raptor, who plays the most like Savannah? Not you playing like them, them playing like you. You come first, obviously. Ah, um, yes, 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 yes. Okay, yes, they've modeled their game after mine for sure. Yes, um, I had a very injury-ridden university career, unfortunately. Um, so whoever's the most injured, that's they're modeling what their game after me. <laughs> um, in all seriousness, though, uh, when I think of the type of play style that I had, at least throughout like high school combined with university, because I kind of actually sh- changed my game a lot. Like high school, I was actually way more of a guard um, than I was in university. University, I kind of had like a late growth spurt and got put in more paint positions uh, for matchup reasons. Um, but because of that, I 
still kind of like had a guard mentality when I was healthy. Um, and so I actually kind of think on the Raptors, at least like when I see OG and Anobi's game, I'm like, yeah, like I totally get that game. Yeah. Like he can go inside and out. He's a bit of a bigger player. I was definitely like, uh, if I was to be on the outside, I was a bigger guard for sure. Um, but if I was to be inside, maybe I was a little undersized, but I was really strong. So like, I was, I, I look at my old photos of myself. I'm like, geez, that's a lot of muscle, <laughs> which is great. I love it. But um, yeah, it's, it's so, so I, I would say OG resonates with me, but like I said, I can't compare myself to like an NBA player. That's just like, you're setting yourself up. <laughs> I'm never, it's no, a, it wasn't that good. I was a poor man's OG. <laughs> OG's a good one. I watched, I watched your mixtape in preparation for this. There was a lot of bumps oh, in there. And so, okay. uh, yeah. OG, OG seems apt. Um, random yeah. bursts of strength that the opponents aren't ready for. That also seems apt. Swing through block, verticality yeah. block, all that stuff. Okay. So yeah. before we get out of here, there's a couple questions I have. November 5th, 2014. Does that mean anything to you? Oh. Oh. I would have been in Ryerson at the time. No. I don't, I don't know that exact date, but that, I feel like I kind of – I know the career area. High. Okay. Oh, okay. Your career, career high. high. Yeah. Do you remember any of the baskets you scored in that game? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, not really, to be honest. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, okay, so here's what I'm wondering. While you were trying to get into the sports industry, you were the social media manager for Tangerine. What would surprise me about being a social media manager for a bank? Because I have no idea what that entails. Oh man. Um, hmm. Um, it is a 20, well, maybe this may or may not surprise you, but it is absolutely a 24 seven job. Um, you have to respond to comments, uh, on a timely basis. You have to, um, uh, make sure that you're, you know, you're following company guidelines in the, your responses as well as putting a little bit of your own personality, uh, into it and also you're going to events you're going to stay late nights and like mornings you have to sometimes like if you go to an event at night they expect you to get up the next morning and back in the office for 9 a.m so definitely it's a it was a lot of work it was a lot of work i will say that um great experience though i like you know it's give me a new perspective on how the corporate world works in in that sense but um being a social media manager, I feel like for almost anything, it is completely always on 24-7. Yeah, that makes sense. It's, uh, it's a grind, definitely. Yeah. And, now, and now you're here, Raptors 905, Raptors, MLSE host. Do you have anything you'd like to plug or steer people towards before we get out of here? Oh, yeah, you know, watch my show, yo, Raptors today. Um, Catch it on YouTube, Facebook, and on NBA TV Canada at 11 p.m., um, usually on Raptors non-game days. So uh, check it out. Uh, and, um, yeah, if I was to give a shout-out to anybody, though, um, you know, I, I always shout-out my mentors, like Dwayne Watson and Tony Francis, because they truly helped help me a lot in this industry and navigate this, this field. So, um, yeah, those, that's, I, I like to leave it on that note. Perfect. Um, listener, I cannot co-sign that enough. I've seen quite a few episodes. Savannah does a fantastic job, not only with herself, but she's invited quite a few people that I think are great on the show as well. 
does a great job always talking about all the pertinent stuff. You can learn a lot and enjoy yourself at the same time. But Savannah, I'd like to thank you very much for coming on. I enjoyed this immensely. Thank you. I really had a fun time talking to you today. And we got a new name for a move, so I'm excited. I'm going to call it the Savannah Roll from now on. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Okay, listener, thanks for tuning in. But whether you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye. <laughs>